Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, you know this, but I want to put it up there. Satan's main goal is to prevent people from hearing the good news about Jesus. He didn't care what else you know. You could quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation by heart. Good if you can, that's great. But if you don't live it, it's useless. He's just happy with that. But when you are transformed to be like Jesus, he hates it. So he tries to keep people from hearing the good news. Satan loves religion. He has no problem with you if you're religious. Knock yourself out. But if you embark on a relationship with Jesus, well, the gloves are going to come off. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark will remind you that the war between God and Satan actually is over. God won. However, there are a lot of skirmishes yet to fight for the Christ follower. You'll learn that these battles are nothing new. All Christians will experience them. You'll also find out that God has made available the power to win these little fights. There's more good news in today's teaching, so give it a listen. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, as he continues his message, Transformed Christ Followers Impact Their World for Christ. What happened when Paul started the church? Remember what happened? The people that didn't like what was going on with those people coming to Christ, they came and rioted. Paul had to leave in the middle of the night to save himself. Those people knew what was going to happen. A riot came. So Paul also, I guarantee you, he heard Jesus when he was with Jesus privately in the desert being taught for those years or two. Notice what Jesus says. You know this first. Look at it. Jesus says this. I've told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. You know what that word peace is? Shalom. Listen. Maybe you're going through something today. In trouble, suffering, adversity, hardship, trial, sorrows, difficulty. You know, we live in a real sinful world. That's going to come for us. Maybe you're doing this. Well, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, those hardships, those difficulties. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Let me read to you, those of you that are maybe struggling a little bit with a hardship, a difficulty, a sorrow, something, a trial. Let me share with that word. If that's you, you don't have to identify yourself. Just think of this word, shalom. Completeness. Rest, safety, tranquility, wholeness, and well-being. See, as we go through them, we're never going through those difficulties alone. These brand new baby Christians had joy 
because of the Holy Spirit. They knew they were going to get through them. Remember, that's not uncommon. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. I'm sure Paul said that. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Now, the key is the promise of Jesus. In me, Jesus said, in me, you will have peace. What does that mean? If you're a Christian this morning, you're in Christ. You have the peace. If you're not yet a believer, a Christian, you have no peace during the trouble. You will have the same problems that Christians have, but you don't have anybody in you, the king of, the prince of peace. You don't have him. So you have to go through it alone. Don't do that. Now, also, when Paul saw this, he knew the joy that was there proved that they weren't just gaining information. They were being transformed. In spite of the persecution, they still had joy. Now look at verse 7. And so you became a model, an example, not just to the church, not just to the other people, not just to Paul, to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Here's what you want to see. This is what Paul, if he had PowerPoint back then, he'd put this statement there. We see these Christ followers talking to them. Their church, your church, is impacting your world for Christ. He's so happy. He says, you guys have a godly reputation in town. You've become examples to believers and unbelievers. Now, he complimented them over and over again. Now, how far would that role model, that imitation, that reputation spread? We've probably all done this. You go somewhere in vacation, you're by a lake, and there's a flat rock right there. What do you want to do with that little flat rock? Come on. You want to what? Woo! And it does what? Pretty soon the circles go where? Just go out. You know what Paul's saying? Wherever you started, the gospel is just... It's going everywhere. Not everyone's going to believe, but the effect of that is going everywhere. So Paul was really complimenting them. You have changed. You understand being a godly witness. Look at verse 8. I'm going to read it. Look in your Bible. I'm going to read it from the New Living. And now the word of the Lord, Paul says, is ringing out from you to people everywhere. There's the rock. The gospel is going out. It's spreading. It isn't stayed in their local town of Thessalonica. It's going all through that area of Europe. Beyond, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, watch this, we find people telling us about your faith in God. That's amazing. They had heard that there's only one way to get to heaven. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. He can give you a brand new life. And Paul even said this. We don't need to tell them. They already heard the gospel. Your reputation has gone everywhere because your life has totally been changed. This joy that you have, this purpose that you have, caused people to talk about you all over the cities. Now, think about this. Why was Paul sent to Thessalonica? Remember when he was in Turkey, he wanted to go to two different cities. And what did God say? No, you can't go to that one. You can't go to that one. And he finally sent him to Europe. And here he ends up, after Philippi, he ends up in Thessalonica. Why was it? Because that city was a metropolitan city, 200,000 people. And it had a, a, a road that people came from all Europe 
back and forth. So you can picture in your mind why God sent them there. Here's these little group of believers. No believers when Paul came. Zero in the town. 200,000 people know nothing about Jesus. All of a sudden, they're transformed. We don't know how many people there are, but they're transformed. And they're sharing their thing with the gospel with people in the town. And these people come in, maybe a visitor, and they come in as a trade person. And they come in, and they buy goodies, and they head back to a different part of Europe. And they say, how was your trip? Well, I got some really good things here. You know, I met some of these guys talking about Jesus. I didn't really get it, but then they looked happy. They said their lives were changed. Can you see how it's spreading? Why did he send them in that city? You know, he didn't send them to Mims. If you're from Mims, excuse me, pardon me. Hello. He sent them to a place where there'd be lots of people coming and going. They could transfer the gospel without these people even going there. It was changed hearts from everywhere. Now, what does that look like to the church today? This is a picture that I put up many years ago, maybe 20 years ago. You know, we'll be 27 years, 28 years soon. This is a picture. We had an artist in the, in the kind of a guy that was really good with a computer. This is called the church with no walls. Now, that's me way back then. I look pretty much the same. Yeah, right. This is probably when I was early 50s. Okay? I just started the church. Now, there I am. I'm preaching. This is the audience. Here we are. Look at all these people. That's you. What's above there? The neighborhood. So what does that mean? When you see the word gather, what are we doing here this morning? We're what? Gathering together as a? Family. We're worshiping the Lord. We're learning together. Is that good? That's fantastic. That's exactly where Satan wants to keep you. If he can keep you hushed up, never talking to anybody but believers, he's very happy. But we're taught in the Bible we have to scatter. We have to take the good news out to our neighborhoods, to our places of work, to our universities, to our schools. Now, who's going to take it out? You and me. That's the Great Commission. That's the commandment from God. See, if we just stay here, how do you think this church that started with 100 people back in 1992, how do you think this church got to thousands of people? Well, we just gathered together. No, I had this teaching, not this one, but specific, similar, 20-some years ago. And the people got it. And they went out to our community, and thousands of people started coming to God. Yes! There's no reason for that to stop today. I'd like a few more than five amens to that. You say, well, we're too big already. Are you kidding? Our world is so lost in our counties right here. So you and I have to understand that God has called us to share the truth outside the church. Of course, we still want to gather, for sure. But we need to go to places of work. The marketplace is where Jesus was. He would go to the synagogues, but he loved the marketplace. Now, there's a balance between gather and scatter. We need them both. I love you here. But look what Jesus said in Mark 16. And he told them, Jesus told them, Go into all the world and preach the 
Good news to who? Everyone. That's you. That's me. See, much of the church thinks, no, that's the pastors. It includes us. That's you. That's me. Can you see me as a pastor? Put this on wheels and go to Publix. (laughs) People walk by. What are you offering today? Free gospel. Huh? I wouldn't be lasting very long in Publix. I'd be gone. But when you go, when the neighbor knocks on your door and there's an issue, there's a problem, guess what? That's an open door. I want you to do this with a little zip here. Take a look at this. Sharing the gospel. You saw that going to all the world. Preach the good news to everyone. Look at the next one. And when you hear the word big, I want you to say the word big like big. Okay? Let's take a look at There it is. Let me read it for you first. Sharing the gospel is a big deal. (laughs) Let's say it like you really mean it. Come on. Sharing the gospel is a big deal. Way to go. Is it? Is that only our words? See, if it's only our words, it's gone. It's lost. It's not having cataract surgery. It's just a bunch of facts. Nice statement, Pastor Mark. Jesus read, oh, that's good, go. No, he meant go. You have to do it. I have to do it. Let me show you quickly. It won't take long. Sometimes we don't understand an open door looks like. There's a word I want to use, crossroads of life. We all have crossroads of life. We come across things. Think about this. A couple that just gets married, a year or two later, they have a baby. You know what we've discovered over time? Many of those people that don't go to church now come to church because they have a baby. And they're thinking, wow. If they have any kind of background, this baby's going to live forever, somewhere. So it challenges them to come. You're at work. And a person comes up to you and says, at lunch, they talk to you. You're a friend. I had a bad week. I just got a report from the doctor. The biopsy was cancer. Would you call that an open door? Yeah, because why? They're talking to you. Why would they talk to you? Because they know you're a person of integrity and you love the Lord. You're not this weird person. Bring a Bible that big into your desk and try to impress people. No, they can see love and they can see joy and they can see hope in your life. How about a death in a family? I've had people stop me on the street. People in the neighborhood just lost Boom, 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 boom. I'm having a real hard time. Well, let's pray. Was one of the questions I usually ask is, how about you? You're going to die. Do you know where you're going? Well, not really. Well, let me tell you how. That's an open door. That's not a first pastor to say. That's for you to say. How about a marriage problem, a family problem, a financial problem? People are looking for help. Jesus is the answer to everything. And you have to understand that. Where he guides, he provides. He's a good, good father. Now, you know this, but I want to put it up there. Satan's main goal is to prevent people from hearing the good news about Jesus. He didn't care what else you know. You could quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation by heart. Good if you can. That's great. But if you don't live it, it's useless. He's just happy with that. But when you are transformed to be like Jesus, he hates it. 
So he tries to keep people from hearing the good news. Look what it says. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers, and they don't know it. That's why Satan's a deceptor. So that they cannot see, notice what they can't see, the light of the what? The gospel. What is the gospel? That doesn't make, I can say the word, good news. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything to me. Jesus died for me. What are you talking about? They can't see it at all. And what do we have to do? We have to be careful. We have to change. We have to share the word. We have to gently say, well, everyone was born a sinner. You find your own way to do that. Now, look at what happened. When you mention the word conversion and transformation, let me show you how that looks. In 1 Thessalonians 1.9, Paul says this, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, the Jewish people turned from religion, dead religion, to Jesus. That was a big deal. But even the bigger deal was the people that were pagans. They were worshiping a dead God. They didn't know it. And they turned from a dead God to what? Look at it. To serve the living, true God. Here's what you have to understand. When you want to turn from something, drugs, alcohol, sin, pornography, when you want to turn from it, you have to not just turn from it. You have to turn to something else. You can't just say, well, I gave up smoking, that's it. No, you have to turn to something else. When you give up alcohol, when you do, you turn to God because he's the one that helps you with all of these things. Now, notice what we're talking about here. What did the Jews and the pagans turn from? The Jews turned from dead religion. Some of you here have been going to church all your life. It's religion to you. It's rules, religion. Nothing wrong with rules and regulations and ritual. But if there's no joy, if there's no Holy Spirit, basically you have to turn from the dead thing. The, the pagan Gentiles turn from worshiping dead God, dead gods, dead idols. Now, when they turned to Jesus, they were transformed. Look at this. We've been talking about both things, both things. Take a look at our, our title of our series. Paul is teaching them how to live right now. That's what I'm teaching you right now. But I'm not just teaching you about right now. I'm teaching you about how to live forever. See, a person that isn't saved doesn't know where they're going. We know where they're going if they never get saved. But they never even think about the future. They're only thinking about today. We have to share with them. No, there's more. You're going to die. I'm going to die. And there's a life after that. So you have to understand there. Now, how do people turn from to God? How do they do it? Look at the verse. They repent. Repent is a, it's, it's basically, how can I say it? It's the first word of the gospel. Repent is the first word of the gospel. What does it mean to repent? To change one's mind, which results in a changed, transformed lifestyle. In other words, a radical transformation. It's not just words you say. It changes everything. Repentance is not an intellectual change. It means I'm much more than sorry. I am going to be transformed to be like Jesus. Now, people don't seem to like the word repent, but that's the only way you can get to Jesus. 
Jesus, when he began to preach, when Peter preached, they all said, you have to repent. You have to repent. You have to repent. And I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a second. But look at the last verse. You'll see this verse about the second coming of Jesus in every chapter in 1 Thessalonians. Look at verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. So what Jesus was saying to these people, I know you're going through persecution. I'm saying it to you this morning. I know there's trouble in your life. We all have the trouble in our life. We have all kinds of things. But I want to say to you this morning, we are simply temporary residents on this earth. We are citizens of heaven. And we're going there. So just hang on. He's already defeated the enemy. We're on the winning team. It's still a battle. We may lose a few battles, but we will never lose the war. Ever. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Now, some of you here have never understood the gospel. Would you bow your heads? Father, in our room here in Melbourne, I know the Holy Spirit has been speaking to people. And if you're here this morning, you say, well, I heard the gospel. I understand a little of the gospel, but I've never really repented. Or I said the words, but there's not been a transformation. Now, remember, I'm not talking about being perfect. There are none of those people. But you have to have a new look on life. It's not about you. And repent means enough to change. Change your thinking, change the way you live. I don't know what you've been worshiping, but you want to worship the true living God. And the only way you can do that is to have a relationship with God. And that only happens through Jesus Christ. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life that you need. If you would like to accept Christ, I want you to just simply where you're at, pray this prayer with me. Now remember one thing. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. You might have heard my words, but it's not me. That's God saying to you, I love you. You know Be real. You need to accept Jesus Christ. Pray this prayer with me right now. Dear God, thanks for speaking to my heart. I know today that I'm a sinner. And I need to do one thing. Repent. Ask you to forgive me of my sins. I know that Jesus died for me. And today, by a step of faith, I take a step toward the living God who can change my life. God, help me to follow you and to take this lifestyle into one that transforms me more like you. Today, I submit my will and my life to follow you. Thank you for changing my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about the persecution that the Thessalonian church went through because of their new faith in Jesus. He talked about how they didn't waver in their trust in God and how God blessed them as a result. You were reminded that this same battle will face you as you take a firm stand for Jesus against the world system and its influencers. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Well, that brings Pastor Mark's teaching, Transformed Christ Followers Impact Their World for Christ, to an end. Next time, he'll begin a new teaching, Successful Ministry That Pleases God. You'll learn that ministry applies to more people than the man who preaches on Sunday. It's something you need to be doing. Pastor Mark will be teaching you how. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.